Church family, would you take your Bibles now and turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24 for today's message. Matthew 24, please. If you're able to, would you kindly stand for the reading of God's Word? As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, Do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His his disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, tell us when will this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Let's end our reading right there. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this portion of Scripture that speaks to us about the signs of Jesus' second coming. I pray, O God, that you would just open up our minds and hearts to the truth you want us to be gripped by today the truth you want us to be transformed by, to be moved by, inspired, corrected, redirected, and encouraged by. Let it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please feel free to be seated. In the first message of signs of Jesus' second coming, which was just last week, part one, We discovered from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24 here in verses 1 and 2, we discovered that Jesus had prophesied that the great Jewish temple in Jerusalem would be totally destroyed, completely demolished. And that is in fact what happened in about 40 years later. I told you in that message of how in 66 A.D., The Jews rebelled against the Roman government seeking freedom from Rome's occupation of Jerusalem, uh, Rome's occupation not only of Jerusalem, but in fact of the whole country. The war started in 66 AD, and in 70 AD, the Roman armies entered Jerusalem and began to destroy everything including the magnificent temple which had been the center of Jewish worship for the people. The total destruction of the temple underscores the truth of what Jesus said will happen will definitely happen. What Jesus said will happen will definitely happen. A person living in the first century who had known that Jesus' prophecy or who had known about Jesus' prophecy about the temple's destruction. And uh, 40 years later, if that person had seen the fulfillment of that prophecy, he would have probably said something like, you know, Jesus also spoke 
about the signs of his second coming. And we better take the signs very seriously because what Jesus said will happen will definitely happen. And so then, as we read further in Matthew 24, we get into the various signs, all right? So the first sign that, that Jesus speaks of here, the first sign is that many false messiahs or Christs will arise and will deceive people. That is the first sign. In Matthew 24, verse 4 and 5, it says, Jesus told them, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. Now, in the next message, part 3, we're going to go into more details of what this verse or what these verses are referring to. All right? That's going to be in part three. Today, today, I want to take you to the next, to the next sign that the scripture here talks about, which is the second sign, and it is this. There will be wars and threats of wars. Obviously, this is spoken of in Matthew 24, beginning at verse six, where it says, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Unfortunately, the world has always had wars going on most of the time. In fact, historians tell us that only about 8%, listen to this, 8% of history has not had a war going on somewhere in the world. Only 8% of history has not had a war going on. Isn't that incredible? People have generally fought. They have fought whether it has been with fists, sticks, stones, clubs, spears, knives, bows and arrows, javelins, bullets, bombs, missiles, and sadly even nuclear bombs. There have been wars. Sadly, as all of you know, in the past couple of weeks, War has broken out in Russia and the Ukraine. To be more accurate, of course, Russia, under the leadership of President Vladimir Putin, has invaded Ukraine, a country of just over 44 million precious people. But by the way, about 1.4 million people with Ukrainian descent live here in Canada, just for your interest. Ukraine has been a, an independent country since 1991. Why? Why has Russia attacked the Ukraine? 
I'm sure some of you have done reading. And you've listened to the news. Why has Russia attacked the Ukraine? Well, experts on world affairs have suggested various reasons. Reasons such as the following. Number one, Ukraine has been wanting to become a part of NATO. NATO stands for North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Vladimir Putin's objection to this is that if Ukraine became a part of NATO, there, there could be the possibility of other European countries and or United States installing large military bases and missiles on Russia's border because if you've seen the maps, Ukraine has a long border with Russia. Another possible reason why Putin has attacked Ukraine, number two, is because Ukraine has wanted to become a part of the EU, the European Union. European Union to help the country develop more trading partners in Europe. And Putin's concerns about Ukraine becoming a part of the EU is that he sees it becoming more and more friendly with the West and the Western culture. And that's been a problem for Mr. Putin. Then others say a third reason why Russia has attacked Ukraine, a third reason is Ukraine used to be a part of the Soviet Union until 1991, and Putin wants it back. Other experts say, number four, President Putin has a very, very big ego, and he wants to be able to say that he expanded Russia before he leaves office or before he is kicked, kicked out of power. Well, whatever the reasons might be as to why Putin and Russia have invaded Ukraine, I strongly agree. I strongly agree with Dr. Matthew Leno, L-E-N-O-E, who says this, he says, it's a complicated history, but I want to be clear that what's going on in Ukraine now is a brutal, is a brutal act of aggression and absolutely no justification. Dr. Matthew Leno, by the way, is an associate professor of history at the University of Rochester who is an expert on Russian and Soviet history. Everything about this war is sickening. Everything is sickening. But there is something that has made me very angry this past week. I'm sure has made you very angry as well. There's something that has made me very angry and it is this. I can understand Russian troops trying, for instance, to destroy a military target, right? We can understand that. And we can understand that in the process, it would not be a surprise if a bomb or a missile by accident goes astray and hits an apartment building. 
Technology is not perfect. This week, however, this week, on the news, I saw blocks of apartment buildings and homes bombed out. Schools and a hospital were bombed out. What does that tell us? What does that tell us? That tells me, that tells me that Russian troops have deliberately bombed, deliberately bombed apartment buildings, houses, schools, and hospitals. That's what it tells us. A Russian military commander had the nerve, this guy had the nerve, man, he had the nerve to go on television and say, say, say this. He said, we do not attack residential areas. We do not attack civilians. Nonsense. Lies, 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 more lies. Lies. Terrible. Disgusting. May the wrath, may the wrath of God, may the wrath of God fall upon President Putin and Russian troops who have bombed, who have bombed apartment buildings, houses, schools, and hospitals. There is no excuse for war crimes. There is no excuse for that, my friends. No excuse in whatever country, whatever battle, whatever war. No excuse. Sickening. Barbaric. Some of you will be tempted maybe to send me a note saying, Pastor Nick, Oh, you got too political, too political in your sermon this morning. Well, if you send me, if you send me a note like that, at least, at least would you put your name to it? Don't send it anonymous. Put your name to it. Put your name to it so I can phone you up and give you a piece of my mind, okay? All right. Be a man or a woman if you're gonna send me notes like that. I'm not being political. I'm being human. You got that? I'm not being political. I'm being human. I'm calling out evil for what it is. Isaiah 5 in the Bible, chapter 5, verse 20 says, Woe, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Since the start of the war, what is it, less than two weeks ago, actually it was a little bit even before that, when you consider some of the excuses Putin gave to send some of the soldiers in. But anyway, since the start of the war in the Ukraine, over 1.3 million people, and now by this weekend, 
I wouldn't be surprised if on the news tonight they say it's 1.5 million people. Mostly women and children have fled the country. The majority of refugees have gone to neighboring Poland and some to Hungary and Germany and a few other countries. My friends, we, we need to especially commend, commend and congratulate Poland for opening up their borders to huge, huge numbers of Ukrainians. Poland and the other countries deserve to be praised for, for setting up shelters, providing food, clothing, and medical facilities. And something, something that especially, uh, especially blessed my heart was on the news, on the news at the Polish border, I saw Polish residents holding up signs saying things like, uh, we can take a family of five. Or, or we can take, they held up a sign, we can take a family of, of four, wh whatever. In, a, in other words, in other words, they were opening up their homes to refugees who needed shelter, food, and comfort until hopefully someday they could return to their homes in Ukraine when the war is over, right? And one of the reporters, maybe you saw this, one of the reporters interviewed a family willing to take in the refugees. And the reporter said, the reporter said, sir, sir, you are heroes. And the man answered, no, no, we are just doing what needs to be done. We're just doing what needs to be done. You and I are obviously thousands of kilometers away from Ukraine. But what can you and I do to help? What can you, you and I do to help with the war crisis? Number one, we need to continue to pray for the war to stop. Very simple, straightforward. I want to thank those of you who were part of the prayer meetings this past week. And in those prayer meetings, many of you were praying for this war to stop. All right? Well, what can you and I do to help with the war crises? Number two, number two, we need to give financially. Okay? Please mark your gift, as Cindy said during the announcements, mark your gift, Ukraine crisis. Ukraine crisis. We will send our donations to Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, who will direct 100% of what we give to the Ukraine. We have Nazarene churches in the Ukraine, and Nazarene Compassionate Ministries will direct all that we give to the Ukraine Church of the Nazarene District Office, who will distribute funds to the local Nazarene churches to help needy people during the war. All right? Um, that's, that's something we can do. Now, some of you, some of you might wonder why we don't just send directly, send, you know, directly our, our love offering to the Ukraine Church of the Nazarene. Some of you might be wondering why. Um, why do you have to go through Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, someone might ask. Well, it's because 
our Canadian government does not allow, they do not allow churches to send money directly outside of Canada, all right? Our denomination has set up a system, a system with the Canadian government to help in world areas during a crisis, but we have to follow the right procedure. Otherwise, we're going against um, uh, government policies, okay? So here is a third way by which we might be able to help. Number three, be open. Be open to sponsorship of war refugees, okay? If, if our Canadian government makes it possible for refugees to come to Canada, it could be that you as an individual or you as a family and, and we as a church might be able to sponsor one or more families and bring them to Canada. Now, I think most of the Ukrainians, if at all possible, they'll prefer to go back to their homeland, okay? They'll prefer to go back to the Ukraine. But it all depends how long this war goes on. It's winter, it's terrible, the weather's bad over there as well, okay? Uh, I imagine that if the war ends, most of the women and children who have fled Ukraine will, in fact, want to go back to their homes, and that's good. But if the war drags on, however, Poland and the other countries will not, they will not be able to handle the one million, two million, three million, or more. If this crazy bombing continues, where are these dear people going to go? Countries like Canada and, the, and, the, and people like you and me will need to open up our arms and our pocketbooks and say, welcome to Canada. The truth is, a lot of us here, a lot of, most of us probably, are originally from other countries. A lot of us are, are ourselves, we were refugees coming to Canada as well. Some of you will also remember how years ago we as a church sponsored two dear families from war-torn Ethiopia. Russia and the Ukraine is the most recent war. It's the most recent war. But listen to this. Since 3,600 B.C., before Christ, 3,600 years before Christ, since then, it is estimated that about 14,351 wars have happened on the earth in which 3.64 billion people were killed. If you were to add up, if you were to add up the property damage of the wars that I've just mentioned, all the wars in history, the cost of the property damage would pay, listen to this, would pay for a solid belt of gold that would go around the entire earth about 100 feet wide, 100 feet wide, and 33 feet thick. Isn't that something? I'm obviously intrigued by the fact that there are some people who sit down and 
figure these things out. My friends, as we get closer to the return of Jesus to the earth, the number of wars will increase. This is what the Bible tells us. Daniel the prophet, Daniel the prophet in the Old Testament gives us some insight. He says, there will come this ruler who will make a pact with an agreement with Israel and then will break the pact. And because of that, wars will increase. In fact, in fact, wars will increase and increase and increase to a fever pitch until a final battle occurs. The mother of all battles. The mother of all battles. The battle of Armageddon because it will take place in the valley of Megiddo. The valley or the, the plain, that, that huge landmass. I believe when we went to the Israel uh, trip a few years ago, some of us saw this area. That huge landmass of Israel which has been the historical background. The battle will take place there. Revelation says all the kings of the earth will gather. Armageddon will be the gathering place for the final battle between God's forces and Satan's forces associated with Christ's second coming. Revelation 16, verse 16 says, and the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and the armies to a place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. My friends, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24, verses 6 and 7, tell us that as we get closer to the second coming of Christ, there will be wars and threats or rumors of war. That's what the Bible tells us. You and I, you and I as individuals will often not be able to stop wars between countries. We acknowledge that, obviously. However, however, you and I each need, we as individuals need to promote peace where we can. First Peter in the Bible chapter 2 verse 11 says, search for peace and work to maintain it. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Hebrews 12, 14 says, follow peace with all Men and women as well. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 9, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. They will be called the children of God. So here's the question. In as much as in you lies, as far as you are concerned, do you, do you promote or work for peace in your family, in your workplace, 
at school, at school, those of you who are studying? Do you work for peace in your neighborhood? Sometimes I hear about conflicts between neighbors and I think, why in the world did that de develop and happen? Totally unnecessary. Do you work for peace? And do you promote peace in our church? Or viewers, whatever is your home church, whatever church you normally attend. Jesus says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. During our Saturday morning prayer time yesterday, I learned of a beautiful song that I had never heard before. I learned of a beautiful song from Pauline and Pat called To Believe. To Believe. Sung by a young girl named Jackie Evancho or Ivanko. I close this message with this video. Please, give attention especially to the words to believe.
Father, as you see, I'm just a child. And there's so much to understand. But if your grace should surround me, then I'll do the best I can. I promise I'll do the very best I can. the truth of this song, the truth of these words, become more and more a reality, more and more a reality in our world, in our country, in our own personal lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.